Well, I want to say welcome to everybody here this morning. I've been looking forward to this opportunity to be here. In fact, for the last two weeks, I've just been thinking about uh, Vineyard. Uh, I, I remembered how 24 years ago, uh, John Wimber, who some of you will know, might know as one of the founders of Vineyard, how he taught us on healing and how that really shaped and helped me in my own journey. And what a great opportunity to be able to be here today. What a pleasure. Um, I feel I'm at home. Every time I come here, the worship just blows me away. And um, my wife and I usually say that when we, when we get older, we want to be like Vineyard. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean by that? With, praise the name of Jesus. Well, um, I want to... I want to introduce you to my beautiful wife, Shola Peters. She's been with me for over 30 years now. Although we've been married for 26 of those 30 years. But from the day I laid my eyes on her, it, was en- it, it all ended. That's it. That was it. I knew where I was going and um, I'm there now, praise God. <laughs> I also want to say thank you to Chris, uh, Reverend Chris and his wife, Liz, who have been a real blessing to us and just been an encouragement, and I've just watched their lives and watched what you're doing here, and I'm so excited. Before we pray, I just want to share a little story that I heard. I know it's probably not true. It's not true, actually, but it's, but it's good, okay? Um, it, it, it concerned a couple, um, a husband and a wife. Uh, the wife died, and she went to heaven, and when she got to heaven, when she got to the, she got to the pearly gates, you all know about the pearly gates, don't you? Um, she met St. Peter there, and St. Peter said, well, you know, it's welcome to, the, to heaven. Um, now that you're here, there's only one thing left for you. If you can spell a word, then we'll let you into heaven. So uh, she said, yeah, okay, what's that word? And he said, love. And she said, oh, I know how to spell that. That's L-O-V-E. So Peter said, well done. You're now a candidate for heaven. And as she was turning around to go into, the, into to heaven, he said, oh, hold on for a minute. I, I need to run an, an errand in heaven. Could you just stay at the gate here? And if anybody comes, I want you to do what I did with you. So he goes into heaven to run his errand. She, the lady stays there. And suddenly she looks around and here comes a young man, actually her husband. He too had died and he came to heaven as well. So she, when he got there, he said, wow, it's really nice to meet you here. Well, it's good. We're both in heaven together. And, um, and, and so he says to, she says to him, oh, hold on for a minute, you can't go into heaven until you can spell a word. And so he says, oh, yeah, okay, what, what, what word is that? And she said, Czechoslovakia. <laughs> it has nothing to do with what I want to preach, but the moral of the story is just because you can spell love doesn't mean that it's in your heart. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Let's bow our heads and pray and ask the Lord to speak to us today. Father, we thank you so much for the opportunities that we have to come into your presence, to learn from your word. We ask that as we spend the next few minutes in this place, that you will speak to us above all. We ask that you'll break the bread of life. For your word says that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. We ask you to speak to us here today. I ask that the word I speak will be simple, it will be accurate, it will be clear and precise, that it will be uplifting 
and beneficial and anointed to meet the needs of your people here this morning. And I promise to give you all the glory and all the praise for what you will do here in our hearts and in our lives. In Jesus' name, God's people said, Amen. Amen. Psalm 1921 says that there are many plans in a man's heart. Nevertheless, it's the Lord's counsel that will stand. Up until yesterday, I was hoping to speak to you on keys that would help us in our relationships. And that's because my wife and I really have a passion to see relationships grow, to see people come together, get to know each other, and those who are already part of your relationships, to see those relationships blossom. But last night, as I was preparing my heart and my wife and I were talking, we just sensed that there was something not right with that particular message. So at about 11 o'clock last night, I really just felt a tingling in my heart, and I just felt that God wanted me to say something or share something different with you this morning. And so what I want to share with you today is what I've called developing a passion for the secret place. Developing a passion for the secret place. And I want us to read a couple of scriptures before we go into that this morning. If you don't mind, please open with me to Luke chapter 9. We're talking about developing a a passion and a love for being in the presence of God. Luke chapter 9, verse 28 and 29. I'm going to be reading from the New King James. This is what it says. And it came to pass... About eight days after these sayings that he, talking about Jesus, took Peter, John, and James and went up onto the mountain to pray. And as he prayed, the appearance of his face was altered and his robe became white and glistening. I don't want to read the rest of that because I know there's a lot of powerful stuff there, but I want to leave you with just some thoughts as we start today. And that is that every time we look in the scriptures, or not every time, but many times we look in the scriptures, we see that Jesus took time off to pray. Many times the scriptures will say that he went up into a mountain and to to pray alone. But in this scripture that we've read, he didn't just go to pray alone, he went with three of his disciples. And for the first time, we see something different. Each time we're told that Jesus went up into the mountain to pray alone, it ended there. But in this scripture, where he took his disciples, a further information was given to us. And the information that was given to us is this, that as he prayed, the appearance of his face was altered, and his robe became white and glistening. And I want to talk a little bit about that today because as we, as God's people, learn to spend time in his presence, something happens to us. A change takes place. And even though the change we see in Jesus was physical, we know that it was beyond the physical change. Something was happening on the inside of him. Turn with me again, if you don't mind, to... Philippians chapter 4, let me read another scripture here. Verse 6 says this, be anxious for nothing, 
but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Now, some of you probably have the uh, other translations. The NLT says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Now, that's not a suggestion. That is not a proposal. That's not something God is saying, let's debate this. It's an instruction. God is saying to us through his word here, don't be anxious about anything. And as I was just sensing what God may want to say to us, I just began to feel that maybe because of the circumstances in our country and around the world, maybe some anxious people are here today. And maybe God wants to just touch our heart and remind us that he doesn't want us anxious or worrying about anything. Instead, what he wants from us is a people that will just pray. A people that will spend some time in his presence, that will talk to him about everything that we're going through. Turn with me, if you don't mind, one more time to Psalm 91. Psalm 91. We're talking about developing a passion for the secret place, for that place of authority, that place of intimacy with God, that place of worship, that place of humility. In fact, the songs we sang this morning all made that clear in my spirit that this was the right thing to talk about today. In Psalm 91, the psalmist starts by saying, he who dwells in the secret place. You know, the secret place is not just a geographical place. The secret place is a spiritual place. It's a place of confidence in God. It's a place of faith. It's a place of light. It's a place of illumination. But the psalmist says, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. In other words, if we stay in God's presence, there'll be protection. We'll be covered. He says, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge, my fortress, my God. In him, I will trust. When we stay in the secret place, we will find it easier to put our faith in the one who we worship, the one who we visit in the secret place. Verse three says, surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler. That, the word, that word means trap, the trap of the fowler. And from the perilous pestilence, he shall cover you with his feathers and under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and your buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked, because, this is the reason, you have made the Lord who is my refuge, even the most high, your dwelling place. No evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. You see, Christ followers in every generation learn to thrive and flourish regardless of what's going on around them. 
when there's persecution. It may be famine, maybe, maybe it's uncertainty, maybe they're being marginalized in their society. Maybe even there's a financial crunch. But no matter what's going on, Christ followers of every generation have learned to thrive. And that's also true for us. We can learn to thrive no matter what's going on around us. I discovered that people, uh, just reading historic, uh, historical books of what's, going, what's going on in the church, one of the reasons why they learn to thrive is because they've learned to function under a different constitution. You, you all know what it's like. If those of us, or those of us who've had an opportunity to travel to other parts of the world, when you get there, you have to follow their constitution. If they drive on the right side of the road, then you have to change over to the right side of the road, even though you're used to driving on the wrong side. You know what I mean. Okay, the left side, sorry. <laughs> All right. Uh, you didn't get the joke. Okay, don't worry. <laughs> but, 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 but they know how to, they, they, know, they, they understand that they function under a different constitution. And even though they live on planet Earth, their constitution is the word of God. It's a different constitution. Such believers also know how to tap into God's grace. They know how to ask God for help in time of trouble and in time of need. That's why they've been able to thrive. They also know how to use their weapons. What God has given them, their spiritual weapons, their prayer weapon, they know how to position themselves in the secret place of intimacy and fellowship with God. And the only time in history that followers of Christ get overwhelmed by what's going on around them, get overwhelmed by the experiences around them is when they get distracted by the enemy. And I wanna say this, I just sense, and, and this is why I'm talking about this today, that a lot of things have been going on in our society and going on around the world that are traps to distract us from what's really important. Traps to make us put our minds, keep our focus, on those things which are not as important as the relationship that we have with God. The cares of this world. I know some of us may be concerned that we may maybe not have enough money to pay our bills or maybe we may lose our jobs or maybe the mortgage is gonna go up higher. All of those concerns are, are there and we don't deny them. But I wanna say to you today that God is calling us to override them by spending time with him. And I'm not talking about spending hours and hours necessarily because that's not what's important. What's important is whatever time we spend with God that our heart is connected. That we are spending that time in faith with him. That we're not doubting. That we're not worried. You know, that, that our prayer life is not just going to God and asking for things because we're worried. But that we actually just learn to chill out in his presence. I think what God is saying is I want to spend some time with my people. And that means that we're going to have to put the worries and the concerns that we have to one side. And we're going to have to say, Lord, your presence is more important. We're going to have to learn to bask in that presence. We're going to have to learn to say, God, I want to spend time with you because I know you want to spend time with me. Notice what Philippians 4, 6 says. It says, don't be anxious about anything. I don't know, maybe you're going through some things today, or maybe you feel anxious about some things, but I want to challenge you not to be anxious. And the only way you can not be anxious is to focus on something else. And I'm talking to you about focusing on the presence 
of God. That's why I want to take a few minutes to talk to you about the secret place today. The secret place is a place of prayer, but it's also a place of sweet fellowship. It's a place of true worship, where we learn to worship God in spirit and in truth. And and sometimes we do that in church, but it's important to do that at home as well. Church is great, and it's the, 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 the combined grace and the combined anointing and and, and authority that's in the church makes the church a really good place to start our worship. But I want to say that God wants us to do even more of that at home. We must never get too busy to pray. Now, the psalmist calls this place when in um, uh, Psalm 91, it, the psalmist calls this, the, this place the secret place for two reasons, two reasons I believe. Number one, I believe he calls this place the secret place because that's where God reveals the secrets and the mysteries of his heart to us. You know, we want to know God more, and we should want it. There should be a desire and a hunger in our hearts to know God more. But we just don't get to know him by just talking or by just playing or by watching TV. We get to know him as we spend time in his presence. We get to know him as we go into his word and we study what he says and we find out what he wants to say to us. So the secret place is that place where God reveals the secrets and the mysteries of his character, of his mind, of his heartbeat, of his purpose and his will to us. And I think that's why Jesus probably spent more time in his presence. Sometimes the Bible says he spent all night. But there's another reason why I think the psalmist calls this the secret place, and that's because the secret place is where the secrets of our hearts are exposed. When, when we come into that secret place, the secrets of our heart are exposed. God exposes us to what's eating us up. He exposes us to our motives. He exposes us to our attitude and our behavior. If there's something wrong between myself and my wife and I go into God's presence, he exposes that. He says, you can't come here like that. You've got to deal with that thing first. The secret place is where God does that. You see, the Bible tells us that the heart of man is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. But when we come into the secret place, God unveils that and reveals that to us and helps us to come to a place where we hand over our life, where we become more humble, where we, where we repent, where things are not right with us and God. So those are two reasons why it's called the secret place. One, because God reveals his secrets to us, and, one, and secondly, because the secrets of our heart are exposed in this place we call the secret place. And, and my point today really is this, that hey, God wants us to spend, to create that place, to create that time in our lives when we are in this place I've called the secret place. Of course, you can call it anything you want to, but the point is the, 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 the phrase secret place helps me to understand it's a place between me and God. It's a place between where, where God relates to me and I connect and relate with him. Let me just describe the secret place a little bit more. It's, it's a place of prayer and communion where we acknowledge that there is a God who hears our prayers. When we come there, when we take time out to pray, we're really saying, I believe there is a God who answers prayers, and I want to talk to him. I, and he, uh, he hears prayers, and he answers them. The secret place is a place of contemplation as well. It's a place where we ponder, where we reflect, where we meditate on what counts and, 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 and what doesn't count, and 
we take time to study his word and we take time to ask him to show us what that word means to us today. The secret place is a place where we let go of pride, where we die to ourselves, where we let our egos die and nothing comes between us, nothing counts more than our relationship with God. It's a place of meekness and humility where we stay humble. The secret place is also a place of exchange, where we exchange our desires and our plans and our ways with his, because we know that his ways are higher than ours. And we come there and we say, Lord, I want your way, not my way. This is the way I prefer to do it, but this is what you want. We need to desire that secret place. I also think that the secret place, like we saw in the scriptures here, is a place of transformation. What God allowed Peter, James, and John to see was a physical transformation that takes place when you really know God and when you really have a heart to be in the secret place. But I want to say it's, for us, it's a place of transformation where God changes us step by step. The Bible says from glory to glory. As we step, as we take time to, to study God's word and to open ourselves up to God and to lay ourselves bare before him and to tell him things that we would never tell any other soul but we are free enough to tell God because we want him to do something about it in our lives. That's the secret place. It's where our nature is changed. It's where our motives, when they're wrong, are changed. It's where our appetite is changed. You know, I, 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 I sometimes watch, uh, you know, football matches and things like that on TV, and I, I can see the excitement and the enthusiasm and the passion with which people love their sports. And, you know, I watch people, you know, use a stick to hit a ball called cricket, and I, I can't understand for the life of me what it's all about. And yet some people will you know, spend their savings to travel all the way to Australia or India with a passion in their heart for that sport. And I understand that to some extent, but where is our passion to be with God, to grow in God, to allow him to fuse into us and to make us more like himself, to make us more Christ-like? My challenge today is that God wants that for us. And that yes, he gives us an opportunity to enjoy the things that are in this world. He gives us the opportunity to be passionate about things we like. But may those passions never supersede our passion for him. That's what's on my heart this morning. It's just that simple. When we do get to grow and to enjoy this secret place, which is what my prayer is that we will begin to grow into if, if we're not there already. And, and I know some of you are already in the sacred place. You already know what I'm talking about. You've experienced it. You know what it's like to be in God's presence. Not just in church when there's good worship, but in your home, in your, in your closet, when you are in your, on your own by yourself. You, you, you already know that. And, and I know some of us know, knew that at some time, but we've lost that. But, but God wants you to come back to that, especially in this day and age with all the things that are going on around us. He wants us to just come back to that and allow him to just encourage us and to heal us and to strengthen us and to cause us to be a good light and example for him. When we diligently and faithfully come with all of our hearts into the secret place, a number of things start to happen. Number one, our relationship with God starts to blossom. Do you desire that? Do you desire a, th a thrilling, exciting relationship with God that, that you, you know him and he knows you and 
he speaks to you and you can hear his voice and you're not just serving a God that's somewhere, but he's real to you, he's living on the inside of you and he's speaking to you. Do you desire that? Because that's what will happen as we get hungry and get, and get, and get diligent in coming before his presence to this secret place. You become more intimate, your joy grows, your faith grows like Daniel, your relationship with God blossoms. Secondly, as we come into the secret place, our character is transformed. I've said that already, but I just want to, for repeat, for repeat, your appetite changes and your desires change. When we come, thirdly, into the secret place, God's promises come alive. You're not just reading an old book, an old rusty book, but the promises of God come alive to you. As in your daily walk, as you, you move through life and you, you go through situations, the word of God comes alive and you can apply that word to your circumstances and you can find God moving powerfully in your life and through his word. When you come into the secret place, number four, your confidence in God's goodness increases. Oh, as we grow into that place, that secret place, we find God nurturing our confidence, nurturing our faith and causing us to grow in lips and bounds. You know God is good. You know God is faithful. You know God is kind and you don't have enough, nobody can tell you that God is anything less than his word says. I was talking to students in our Bible school the other day and we're talking about this phrase, and, uh, and act, the act of God, you know, when, when, when hurricanes blow things down and when things get destroyed, uh, the insurance company will say that's an act of God. And I was saying to those students that, that if we really get to know God like we should, like we ought to, like he wants us to, we will stand up and say, no, that's not an act of God. That is our world groaning because of sin. That's our world groaning because of the things that we are doing to destroy our own earth. That's not an act of God, that's an act of man. That's an act of, of the enemy of man trying to destroy us. But as we, we come into that secret place, God's promises come alive and our confidence in God is nurtured and increased and you know God like you've never known him before. As we come into that place, that place, oh, that secret place, our battles are fought and won. See, as Christians, we don't have to fight all our battles in the flesh. We don't have to fight our battles in the workplace. We can just go into that secret place and talk to God about it, and the battle is fought and won. Speaking to Chris this morning, he said, we've read the end of the book, and we know that we've won. But you see, that becomes more of a reality when we stay in his presence. We know that because we've been in his presence, as we've been in that secret place, that the battles that we fought are, are, are won. And Satan is pushed back. And one more thing, when we are in that secret place, when we come faithfully, when we take time out and say, God, every day, God, I want to be with you in the secret place, our souls find rest and tranquility. Everything around us might be buzzing. Everything around us might be chaotic, but there's rest and tranquility in our hearts because we've been in God's presence. We know the end of the book. We know what's going to happen. We know God is going to take care of us. We know that he loves us and that he has our back when we spend time in the secret place. David said, I was envious and boast. I was envious of the boastful. 
and the rich and the, those who were prosperous until I came into the sacred place, into the sanctuary, he said. When I came into God's presence, then I understood that there was, that I had perception, I, had, I, I could see things for what they were. And when we come into God's presence, he gives us perspective. You know, there are things here and there are things over here. And the truth about it is if we're only looking at one set of things, then we may get jittery, we may get afraid, we may get fearful. But when we see the balance on the other side, when we spend time in God's presence and see what God is saying and what God is doing under all that's going on in our world, peace and tranquility becomes ours. Brethren, when we stay in the secret place, when we come into that secret place, we are protected from the wicked one. There's protection. The enemy cannot harm you. You know that no weapon formed against you will prosper. When you come into the secret place, you know that a thousand may fall by your right and 10,000 by your side, but it will not come near you. When you come into that secret place, you know that, 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 that no evil shall befall you. And, and when you call on God, you know he will answer you because he said he would. When you come into the secret place, you know that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. What am I saying? And what's my point today? There is a secret place reserved for each one of us. And my prayer today is that you would desire that if you haven't done that before. I know, like I said, some people already have. But if you're here today and, and you're saying, I, I don't know what you're talking about. I, I really, my time with God is not really that special. I just sort of pray, you know, my two-minute prayer and I will get up and go. Well, I want to challenge you to believe God that this place, this secret place, is available for you. There is a place, a secret place, a place of fellowship, a place of worship, a place of prayer, a place of security, a place of refreshing that's available for each and every one of us. And if we would have a heart and a desire for that this year, you will find that you experience and enjoy what I'm talking about. And God wants to meet each one of us in that secret place. Before I close, I want to leave you with one thought, and that's this. This is something that, if you like, brings together everything I've been saying. And you may want to write this down if you're writing notes. And this is it. This is what I felt God say to me one time. He said, when you value the secret place, it would add value to your life. When you value stay coming into God's presence, when you don't just see it as one of those activities that I just do along the way, but something that is important, if I'm going to really get connected with God and get intimate with him, he says that when you value the secret place, when you love the secret place, it will add value to your life. It will add value to your relationships. Everything I wanted to talk to you about earlier on, it starts from the secret place. It will add value to your words. It will add value to your ministry if you're in ministry. It will add value to, to, to your decisions. It will add value to your life if you will take time to stay in God's presence in the secret place. I'm just going to call the worship team to just come up as I bring this to close. And I want to read as I close one more verse of scripture, a couple of verses, and it's in the book of Jeremiah, chapter nine. If you're troubled here today, it's time to get back to the secret place. If you're discouraged or confused, it's time to get back to the secret place. If you're afraid, hurt, or angry, 
it's time to get back to the secret place. Even if you're blessed and happy and joyful and confident, it's still time to get back to the secret place. Let me finish by reading Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 23 and 24. This is God speaking. He says, thus says the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man glory in his might. And let not the rich man glory in his riches. But let him who glories glory in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord exercising loving kindness, judgment or justice, and righteousness in all the earth. For in these things I delight. God says if you are rich, don't, the word glory there means don't boast. Don't boast, don't get, don't get too excited, don't get too proud because you're rich. God says if you're, if you're intelligent, don't get too proud that you're intelligent. God says if we're, if we're mighty, you know, you, you've, got, you've got fame, you've got achievement, your names are on the who's, who's list. That's not enough of a reason to get excited. The only reason to get excited is because we know God. We're intimate with him. We've been in the secret place. We know what his heart is and we're willing to obey that. That's what should get us excited because God says that's what gives him great delight. Anybody wants to respond to that today? God bless you.